0: just wanna, I just wanna, I just wanna get effed up and dance, this is our only chance, happiness is fleeting, this feeling's way too good to last, get effed up and dance, no future and no... Welcome to Hollywood, I'm your host, Holly Solomon, and I would... <laughs> Um, this is my podcast, and I have a substack called Hollywood, W O U L D, where I write about my life in Hollywood. I'm not gonna say that word anymore, Hollywood, but (laughs) today we have celebrity chef Ann Thornton is our guest, and she's so much more than a celebrity chef. She is a writer, a performer a manifester and just an all-around star and I'm so excited because she shared very openly about um, some of her personal experiences and I think um, that's a very unique and special thing we had some aha moments so stick around she tells us about addiction getting canceled what's more Hollywood than that celebrity chef Ann Thornton Let's talk about how we met. Because it was recently. It was. It was not that long ago. Our friend,
1: both of us have had for a long time.
0: Yes. Raina. Raina. Shout out Raina. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out Queen Queen Raina. 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 <laughs> yeah. So We met at a dinner like just a few months ago. Mm-hmm. And I had this experience where I was like, oh, if we were five years old, we would be best friends. And also 40 or whatever. Like we're <laughs> meant to be friends.
1: <laughs> a million percent. Those people, you know, you'd like get in trouble with if you had been in class with them. Yeah. Like the person you would have been separated from uh, The sa- that energy I'm right so away. I, was separated. Like, oh, okay. I thought
0: we were going to totally get separated, separated <laughs> at that dinner.
1: <laughs> I'm glad we did it. I feel I'm really like glad we did it.
0: Nobody else talked. Uh, yeah. We were just on a date. just You're us. Okay.
1: Why not? Yeah. With some <laughs> lovely matchmakers. It was great. It was really yeah.
0: fun. <laughs> Raina knew though. She was yeah. like, you guys are going to
1: be like besties. She just has, she's a great a great connector. She's
0: a really good connector. She's a New York girl. Mm-hmm. And you're a New York girl.
1: Yeah, I was. I'm not. I'm a transplant. I grew up in the Midwest. I was born in Texas and grew up in Cleveland. But I spent my 20s and early 30s in New York before coming out to L.A. Like your wild yeah, days. My wild days in New York. So were you like a crazy chef, like party chef? I was. I mean, I had. Yeah. I mean, we opened. I would think I was 25 when the Waverly Inn opened. Um, and I was a pastry chef there and I also was, um, we had this email called Fritz which was like the imaginary, this character that we managed and everybody had this, because we didn't have a phone number it was this very exclusive spot, it was owned by great. it still is there, yes, it's owned the by great. Carter was the place to be for fashion and rock stars and movie stars and everybody, it was wild, it was yeah. such a crazy experience, there was no phone number, There's no way to get in, you had to walk in during these certain hours to ask for a reservation, we'd be like you can have a 6 o'clock or a 10.30, I used to go
0: there with Raina when I was just a little twerp. Uh, amazing. I got in there and was all Raina.
1: Raina's a good somehow a good connector especially in the food world. Yeah and it was sure. always
0: like Bono or
1: you know yeah. someone. So Oh it was always like multiple that was always the fun thing too was you'd look over and you're like oh my gosh Madonna's having dinner with Justin Timberlake and like two months later a song would come out between the two of them. Things like that where you were just like oh that's an interesting combo like I wonder what's happening and just the regular it was just a really fun kind of crazy experience and Beatrice Inn was down the street. Yes. We have that in comp as well. I was just well. going to say
0: that yes. would be the next stop. Then I'd be at Beatrice until 4 in the morning. Yes.
1: Like and I would do all of that until I had to get sober. <laughs> I really I did it well and long and um, enjoyed it and had such a fun time, but then had to like call it a day. Did you get sober
0: when you still lived in New York? Oh, yes. Okay. yes. Yeah.
1: I had to call it when I was about 27. That whole Saturn return in astrology, you know, the 27 Club with like Jimi Hendrix. And yeah, um, you were like, I'm going to die. Yeah, I think there's a level of that that comes to people. I think all of us start to examine our lives is when you kind of start to cross into adulthood. Like, are you going to continue in this way? Are you going to, like, hit pause and check something else out? It took
0: me until I was 35 to get sober.
1: Your Saturn was doing something instead of returning. It was busy, and that, then it came back. I basically died
0: at 27 and just stayed flatlined until... 35
1: it kind of happens so if you look at it that 27 is a really weird year like it it's really weird and it's it, i was we joking earlier about blaming astrology for everything now that there's like tiktok and instagram to keep you totally acutely aware of what's going on with the planets but like it's always been important i have friends or are therapists who study it because there's so much happening that like uh, in the planet they'll be like oh my god everybody's having this issue and I recently sent to a friend this note that uh, Carl Jung had sent to Freud saying how in his later years he's become such a student of astrology and how he can't fully understand a patient without doing their chart. And, like, oh, you wow, know, this really, inter- interesting. really interesting stuff going on, like, with that as well. But I think that that 27 thing is a big, a big moment.
0: Well, that actually brings us into something I wanted to talk about, which is, right. like, you are into all of that, like, astrology, manifestation, sound baths. Um what else? (laughs) Breath work. Anne has invited me to like a couple sound baths breath work. (laughs) I want to call them a show I'm like it's not a show (laughs) the sound bath show (laughs) it's not that no yeah but like were you always that way or was this an LA thing did you move to LA and then get like sucked in and infected by us
1: sort of weird neo hippie people (laughs) I think I've always had an element of woo-woo in me um I've always been a dreamer Mm-hmm. I've always I didn't believe in astrology I was raised Catholic that was not acceptable when I was growing up as considered like witchcraftry kind of stuff yeah and was shunned but then I started to identify I'm Irish and I started to research like family's history and world history prior to them being converted into Christianity and like these gnostic people were following the moon and the moon cycles and all stuff and I was like you know this makes sense as we start to look at how modernizing our society has taken us so far away from the earth and in turn destroyed it it's like interesting to look back at a time when people were being respectful to earth and what were the beliefs that they had and how were they living and what were their habits and what were their their motivations and everything else so that's where I kind of started to look at it as not being as woo-woo as some might think and also understanding like water and the pull of the moon and gravity and how it affects women and our cycles and all this other right. stuff and our it's like, bodies are made of water mostly mostly like, exactly so we're not we're, of course we're going to be affected by it in certain ways yeah. so I've just like I embrace that but really coming out to LA has definitely opened me up <laughs> I am not gonna lie also um I got into, after I'd been sober for a number of years, I went through a really dark, horrible depression. And I tried a bunch of different stuff and it didn't work. So I got into plant medicine. And that was something that helped me to kind of um, let go of a lot of my very limited beliefs around what was possible in life. Even though I had been a dreamer and called in big things, I used to have my own show on Food Network. I've had like all these like big things. Waverly was such a huge success, like that I was a part of that. Just being at the center of a lot of things. I always say I have like these major Forrest Gump moments, right? Yeah. Where I'm like right there in the middle of something as it's happening. And I'm like, because huh, you're like a you know, crazy manifester. Crazy, yeah. But not knowing how to tame it and blocking myself in other ways too, unintentionally, but subconsciously. You so know. So have you
0: done ayahuasca?
1: I've not done ayahuasca what are your plant medicines (laughs) um cannabis was my gateway into Mm -hmm. plant medicine I always loved to smoke pot for recreational reasons but once I had been completely sober off of weed and alcohol and any substance, cocaine, any of these things, any kind of pill or anything for like five and a half years and was in this depression is when I um, was open to trying that as a medicinal property. Right. So that for me and mushrooms have been an incredible thing. I would love to eventually maybe do ayahuasca. Um, I haven't been called to it in the same way that other people have been. And that might be because I haven't found the right person who I'm supposed to be yeah. a conduit do it for me. But I also believe that all of these plant medicines are great things to wake us up but you still have to do the work yes it's still a daily thing you have to there's still the a day-to-day day. yes it's a way it's like it's like reading something it's highlights these things that we need to look at but you still have to keep looking at them you can't just go I know a lot of people are kind of addicted to the journey right of plant medicine and I see that because we can get addicted to anything I mean like you can get addicted to anything and even though it can look helpful you can see where people get stuck in this cycle sometimes because they're not actually taking what they're learning and trying to change because the real hard work is coming back to reality and showing up differently right you know it's and like consistently spiritual bypass is a big big thing you know, plant but I medicine to you. people
0: <laughs> totally thing. and also so like you know, I, I have the same experience. I'm now five and a half years sober, but right. actually the whole time I have been sober, I've considered myself a sober person. I still have used marijuana um, medicinally initially because I had a head injury. <laughs> yeah, and that was reason. the only thing that would make me like not throw up all the time. Right. So and and I was like sort of figured out that I can trust myself with this particular drug though not everyone can no. and then like introduced mushrooms a couple of years later back into the fold in a very like controlled and chill way but um i don't like the term california sober nor do i cuz also
1: like <laughs> listen being completely substance free is and people who do the work of who actually hold the term sober do a lot of like recovery work and all this other stuff, and it kind of feels like a bypass, and it feels dismissive of their experience to call it california yeah stuff, or, right exactly like that's a lot that's really hard to like not smoke any pot to not to do any of these things nothing. to have no release whatsoever <laughs> Raw yeah exactly. <laughs> 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 who wants to do that right They're Larry. Very dangerous. no very dangerous no but no it's really it's really admirable and I think that the California sober thing takes away from that and dismisses what mm-hmm. they have to do on a daily basis and there are those people I believe that addiction is a spectrum and I don't think we talk about this enough in our totally. society
0: everything's a fucking spectrum thank
1: you everything's a spectrum <laughs> and there's a difference too between addiction and abuse and there's, you know, and we have to keep space for everybody's experience. And they're all different. And I trust that there's people I know who cannot have a sip of alcohol without them eventually leading to something really dangerous. Yeah,
0: right? I've dated a lot of those guys. It's like a <laughs> thing.
1: It's a real thing. Yes, yes. And never again, you know. Never again, Never, again, honey, never no. again. But that's like a real thing. And I think that that's okay, like, to admit that there's different things and different solutions for different people. But I think I like I like to just be like... I'm not somebody who depends on substances for any kind of escape or – You can have
0: fun – Without it, and then there's Always, like yeah. caffeine. You know, like a couple of cokehead girls just love to get like tiggery.
1: A million percent. I think that there's a lot of like, I love, I love caffeine. I actually have to keep myself. This is, I'm, I'm like totally abusing my own boundaries. right now. I abuse so, caffeine. That's yeah. the that's the one I abuse. It's a hard one not to, especially when you've shot your adrenals in your 20s doing lots of uh, fun uppers, you know. But there, it's also there's a ceremony around coffee that's enjoyable and it's delicious and it is a good thing for mood for sure but i have yeah. to limit it or i won't sleep and then that affects my mood
0: same too. i have I i'm not allowed after like 1 p.m like no Isn't that sometimes so i go a little for
1: little
0: <laughs> but like now you're limited to
1: 1 p.m like 2 p.m it's I know, fine right? oh, I know. it's <laughs> so funny i'm the same way i'm like okay anything after like 11 30 i like can't have caffeine i'm like maybe an iced coffee or an iced tea at lunch maybe an iced tea but like yeah. i was always this like wild person up until like the next day but i enjoy this quieter life are you enjoying it Oh, life is amazing, it's
0: so much right? better. I don't need anything, I don't need any substances. I have like a freezer full of shrooms and weed and I have so many drugs in my house that I just don't ever do, I'm, I'm changed. But it's because I've done the hard work, I've done like tons of EMDR and trauma yes. therapy and that's the thing that changed me I, and the steps. I've done all the things and I continue to do all the
1: things. And that's the most important thing is that it's, like, a, everything – we always have to work hard. We want to have the kind of life that you want. You want You want to work hard for it, right? Yeah. It feels it's good. It's, like,
0: priorities. You're, like, what is more important, like, getting wasted on a Tuesday or getting up and, like, doing a podcast?
1: Well, I think it's one of the things we're talking about with like manifesting all this stuff too. It's like your worth, your self-worth. When you show up as the person you want to be, even when you don't feel that on that day, when it's not about feelings, when it's just like something you do no matter what when you make a commitment to yourself to show up as that person, your life changes drastically. And you don't have to wait to like quit these things for a long time. Like you can start feeling differently today and behaving differently today. That's how real change happens. Even like neuroplasticity, Plasticity wise, you have to keep doing these things. And it's hard. It's like, I remember my therapist explaining to me like making these new choices. The first time, it's like being in a forest and nobody's cut a path, right? So you have to get out this machete and you're like, (laughs) like going at it, right? And then it takes forever to get through that path and it's really painful. And the next time you go down that, you use the machete again, it's a little bit more clear. And then eventually you keep making that decision. It becomes a super highway.
0: That's a really good metaphor. Isn't that good? It's helpful. I've never heard that,
1: right? But that's how I see it in my brain. Ladies and gentlemen, Everybody, a new neural pathway way of visualizing <laughs> creating new neural pathways. But you yeah, heard we it here these, first, right? But they're helpful, these visualizations of like, oh, this is hard. And I think about that when I'm trying to do something new. I'm like, this is hard because I've not cut this path, but soon this is going to be a super highway. So I'm yeah. going to keep going until it's like paved and like very aerodynamic. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. Yeah. I, I mean, I could talk about that
0: this all day. I also want to quickly. Mention, like, I Googled you, of course. And I <laughs> that s-
1: always makes me nervous. When people say that. I'm always like,
0: oh, Lord.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Okay. Uh-huh. No, uh-huh. don't worry. I just saw that you're a, a Gemini, and I want to talk I about am. Scorpio and Gemini friendship. Are you a
1: Scorpio? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that makes so much sense. I love Scorpio. I cannot date you people anymore. I was just going to say, I cannot date a Gemini. <laughs> We're never going to be a couple, unfortunately. But, I have but... so many good uh-huh.
0: Gemini girlfriends agreed with the
1: Scorpios. <laughs>
0: Gemini men are kind of weird. Agreed with (laughs) the
1: Scorpios. That's how I feel about (laughs) the Scorpios. I get to feel you. I love the women. It's also how I am with Virgo women. Yeah. Virgo women and I are like... There, i do so well virgo men and i are like no yeah i know yeah it's like wild like i'm always like this is so weird like this is real these things but yeah, i'm like a very true gemini in fact my twins have twins like i have like <laughs> there are so many like of us so it's like a, a big like multiple birth uh, when i was born for sure yeah
0: that's so weird i just saw this psychic recently who told me that i have like that i'm like twins i'm all kinds of twins and i have two brains and i have two sets of eyes and it's just weird, too weird to even get into on this show but interesting <laughs> yeah. i do act
1: at lunch i want to explore this though like that's something like, i definitely want to hear more very about
0: gemini yeah
1: very know. gemini energy yeah i'm the so, true blue one why did you decide to come to los angeles i was um i'd gone through a lot in new york i'd had this like Opened these cool restaurants, um, had the show on Food Network. I came out to LA because I was writing a scripted concept based on my experience at Waverly as like a young female chef with a friend of mine. And I wanted to put my hat in the ring out here. And then during that time, I had this crazy thing happen where I ended up on the cover of the New York Post being accused of plagiarizing my recipes, even though Food Network denied it and I denied okay, it. Okay, I really am excited <laughs> to get into
0: this. And got canceled.
1: <laughs> Before it which, existed.
0: Which is like the most... Hollywood thing ever, and she's like one of the first people to get canceled right here on our show. OG cancel culture I'm right so here. I'm so excited. I know, and I didn't murder
1: or rape anybody, <laughs> so it's even cooler. There I'm accused. no sex offense. No sex nothing. offense. No drugs were even involved. Oh my gosh. I mean, there was nothing. There was no like, Just yeah. lemon bars. Yeah, oh, lemon, lemon squares. bars. It's the same thing. Okay, but like- Maybe if I called him by a different name, I wouldn't have been accused of it. Isn't there
0: only like one way to make lemon- bar squares
1: pretty much yeah Yeah, basically okay so what happened we don't know so you were on a food network show during this time my show had actually been canceled in July and this article came out the following February. So it was really weird because they had done, my show got canceled the same day as like five other shows. They were no moving away from this, what they call in the industry dump and stir, which is you standing there doing It's an in the kitchen. Cooking <laughs> show. You're just like and dump then and next stir. and then. Yeah. You're like, like kind of a, exactly. It sounds terrible. but It's funny because it's like, you're just literally standing there being like, and they were, you know, now competition shows are what, is cool. And that was where the trend was. This is 11 years ago, almost 12 years ago. This is a long time ago. So, um, yeah. And, uh, so we thought nothing of it. Like, it was just like, I was so excited to have had this show popped out of nowhere. It happened so quickly. I got this crazy deal really quickly like matter of months and the show was on the air. It was wild. And my first ever live cooking demo was on the today show. It was really one of those things where I'd been around all these people, all these really famous people. And I'd been in everybody's houses cooking and I'd done all these cool restaurants, you know, you, you were in the same circle. So you know what I'm talking about. And it was interesting because you're always around these people, and then all of a sudden you're the one getting interviewed too. I mean, they're still getting interviewed, but you're in like the smaller publication getting interviewed. You're getting interviewed. Right. One of my friends. Right was now. Like, you were just talking about this. You, you, you do better interviews than we do. And I was like, well, thank you. I've but been you watching for years. Are you are know? a star. You're yeah. a magnet. Well, so it's like, thank of you. course, Likewise. you're gonna
0: get a show. But it
1: happened really quickly. It was really cool, but also went away as quickly. And it was one of those experiences where I couldn't defend myself in a way that I wanted to. Um, and I still don't know who was behind it or why. Thank God they used to great picture because when you google me it does come up and it's a great picture <laughs> it it's a great picture yeah. like if you're going to be in the entire cover I mean like I always wanted to be a cover girl yeah <laughs> <laughs> wasn't how I foresaw it but Wait, so I was also glad it wasn't walk a me scandal. through that morning of what that morning happened
0: because you had no idea this was coming you had no idea you were going to get canceled over lemon bars like what happened in the
1: morning I woke up to a phone call actually from a producer on the today show who was calling me it was three o'clock in the morning it was in Los Angeles and it was six o'clock in the morning in um, New York and she said We'd love for you. To, I, my grandmother was dying at the time, otherwise I wouldn't have like answered a random call. But I didn't know, you know, when it was like one of those things. So yeah. I grab it and I'm like, "Hello," and she tells me she's like, "I'm sure everybody is reaching out because you're the cover of the New York Post," and I had had a phone call from a reporter the day before asking me some questions. And I called Food Network. I just gotten on my contract with them a few months earlier because my contract was with them, um, as opposed to with the show. I got to help choose the production company I worked with, whatever. But Mm -hmm. I was hoping the production company I'd worked with before on my show, because I loved them, we had such a great time doing it, we were going to hopefully sell one of these types of shows that they're not doing anymore to another network, right? Another dump and stir. Yeah, another dump and (laughs) stir before they're all gone. Now they're on Instagram and TikTok and are killing it like in five seconds. And I'm like, I totally get the efficiency of this. (laughs) But yeah, so we were going to do that. And then um, but it was like a whole weird it was just so weird and i i called them back and then i called the reporter back cuz i didn't think i had anything you know i didn't think this was real like what was going on this whole thing that they said they they had that i had um that my rec- i'd been fired from my job at food network cuz of my recipes and I was like, oh, this is so strange. Like, whatever. So I called them back and I was like, hey, like, what's going on? Because I thought it was like a page six line item. <laughs> I had no idea how yeah. it was going to end up. So they actually have my rebuttals in the paper, which is kind of funny. But I, when I got f- heard from the Today Show, I was just like, hold on to the cover. I thought I had rebutted their thing so well that they weren't even going to run it in page six, <laughs> but instead it became the this the whole fucking cover whole page of the thing. And it was just a whole crazy, oh, I keep bumping my microphone. Excuse me. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, not meaning to do that. I just talk with my hands. It's one kind of my things. <laughs> I know, like, (laughs) (laughs) and you gave me coffee, so you're like, I'm I'm actually sitting, and I don't have a seatbelt on, so, yeah, you know. we need a
0: seatbelt? And what
1: was the exact accusation? Oh, yeah, no, the exact accusation was that I had plagiarized my recipes, that my recipes were not original. You can't copyright recipes, and, like, baking stuff is different. Could they have been more unique? A million percent, but, like, once you get off of that, like, you're no longer making lemon squares. So it was, like, this weird thing, and I heard from everybody in the industry. They were like... Everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people, and people are like, "What the hell? Like, what's going on?" Even Al Roker said on the Today Show, he's like, "Does this mean that people are gonna like copyright grilled cheeses now?" This is ridiculous. I'm
0: like, thank you, Al. I love you forever, Wait, so Al. So you think this, like, I mean, because where would this have come from? Somebody I still don't was know. trying to like take. Somebody you was trying to do down.
1: Yeah, that's that's what it looks like to everybody, and everybody had theories on it, which made it really weird and made me really depressed.
0: What are some of the theories? That's an area. Are you allowed to say?
1: No, just to say, like honestly, it's one of the things where. I like, I don't want to think the worst of different people. I've definitely explored it in therapy and EMDR. The reality is, as hard as it was, as horrible as it was, as humiliating as it was, one of the biggest fears I've ever had in my life was that people were gonna find me out and think I was a fraud. <gasps> one of the parts of having a I big dynamic right? Big dynamic personality, part of being somebody who has addiction addiction tendencies, somebody who's lied a lot to cover that shit up, right? Yeah. There's a lot that could have been said, other than I was a little bit relieved it was the recipes that were the issue, that were the thing, to be honest with you. So for me, it actually brought my biggest fear to the forefront. And I think sometimes when we have to face our biggest fears, we are empowered in ways that we've never been before. Because we look at them in the eye and we're like, oh, you're gonna hurt me really bad and this is gonna be really painful, but I'm going to survive this. And not only am I gonna survive, I'm gonna take these pieces of my life that I want, that I choose this time, and rebuild. Yeah, and I think that was for me gave me as hard and painful as it was, it allowed me to eventually break through so many things that were holding me back that I didn't even know that were limiting my beliefs around myself. A lot of freedom. A lot of freedom.
0: Every yeah, when your greatest fears come true, it's happened to me a couple times. Like. Where I've lost
1: everything. Yeah, and, you know, I, I had to yeah. completely right. rebuild. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I just i think about the pandemic. My friends are like, "You're so calm." Like, I've like—I've lost everything many a time exactly. before. Exactly. Like I've—I've like, everything baby. taken uh-huh. away.
0: Or my greatest fear of like somebody's going to change their mind about me and stop loving me. It's all happened. It's all fucking happened. And and now it's sort of—it's very freeing. It's incredibly free. kind of like.
1: Oh, can do whatever you want to me i'll survive as long as you don't believe the story about yourself yeah that's the issue one of the big things about emdr and i know we share this love yes. is the reprogramming it's one of the big things about being like a, being conscious of your thoughts is the reprogramming is not engaging those thoughts that continue that narrative that you have about yourself like i'm not a fraud Like, could my recipes have been more original? For sure, yeah. Was I doing a show for the masses? For sure. Was I cooking like a chef? No, that was not the goal of the show. You know, so it's like these types of things where you're like, okay, cool. But nothing happens in a vacuum. So you have to look at what is it trying to teach you.
0: So this sort of like broke you out of this um, maybe sort of like a cookie cutter image that you were trying to portray for (laughs) the show or for the world or whatever. And you are now free to be more
1: authentic because of it, right? Like, Yeah, I think what it woke up in me that's kind of cool is it woke up, I'd always been a performer mm-hmm. my whole life. I had been in plays, I went to a Montessori school where we all had to do plays because it really helps with public speaking and self-esteem and all this other stuff. But I loved being in the plays and I was obsessed. And my mom is not a person who loves Hollywood by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> she <laughs> loves books and like intellectual conversations and will watch like British television mysteries and that's about it. And um, so, Wanting to be an actor, wanting to do these things, she which is what I wanted when I was a child, those dreams were not supported by either one of my parents. They my were like squashed deep down inside of you. Yeah, totally. And like also my personality – I have a big personality, and when you're a kid and you're learning to navigate that, you get a lot of feedback that you're annoying from your parents. Yeah, you a lot of feedback that yes. you should shut up. That you should, especially if you're a Please girl, calm like,
0: down and go in the corner and be
1: quiet. I love you, <laughs> but like, I don't love like like you right now. Uh huh. All <laughs> of that stuff. Yeah. Uh huh. So I got a lot of that, and I like, and I'm the youngest, and so there's also that need, and mm-hmm. there was a lot of like trauma in my childhood and all this other stuff, and like I was like, this is part of my shadow, was pushing away the performer, even though it would always come out like at work in restaurants. Right. That was my food network. They told me I did my, I had won the New York Wine and Food Festival event, like this sweet event thing that they like, whatever. And then I got a phone call from them to meet with them and then they were like, do you want to do a screen test? I'm like, yeah, sure. And I'd never done a screen test in my life. And they're like, you won't hear from us for like three months. And I heard from them like the next day. And then it went, because there's a thing in me that like, will always come out, the performer in me, the person, like it really is there, it lives there. And some of us have it and some of us don't. And those of us who have it, no matter how it's expressed, needs to be expressed. It needs to come out of us. And I feel like it woke that up in me and allowed me to be like, no, I actually am a performer or these people wouldn't have invested all this money in creating a show where I was just standing there (laughs) talking, doing stuff. Yeah. And I wouldn't have been asked to do all this other stuff and I wouldn't have been asked to... And it wouldn't have happened so quickly and weird. Like Yeah. yeah, It sort of woke that up. It, It allowed me to embrace that part of my shadow more than it and then it scared me and then I'm like oh I'm not allowed to go out in public this is why
0: right I'm gonna get canceled I'm gonna get in trouble for being my bright shiny self someone's gonna try to take me down it's a test right when I came out of my mother's womb
1: yeah I was like
0: I'm a star Seriously. No, I believe you. I I'm mean, not I didn't see
1: me dismissing you. Okay,
0: so my mom te- tells the story about how she took me to my first day of like preschool. I think I was like 2 or 3 and I had prepared a dance for the class. So the whole class sat around
1: <laughs> like it. all
0: these little 3-year-olds and I did went and like did this whole like dance for everybody. <laughs> and actually I, I think about that all the time in these like it, we both do this, um, Lacey Phillips manifestation. Yes, workshop. the To be magnetic work. To, yes. ag- to be magnetic, and I think about that's like my um, authentic self is like this little girl who's like, let me show you my dances.
1: <laughs> right, without and I love it when I see. I love that, and I can totally see you as that little girl. Like I really can. Like, and I love that those little girls are out there. And I think in our generation, I remember being called bossy all the time. <laughs> And I'm like, I'm not bossy. Like, I'm a boss. Like, I really am somebody who should be running this. I should be organizing a group of people to do this dance. I should be directing this play, obviously. <laughs> like, you know, like, come on. Like, I wasn't bossy. I was just that better years, right? Best friends when we're five years old. Exactly, I just, <laughs> right? I know. I used to make my neighbors sit and watch performances. I create these plays. It's so I I it cringe sometimes when I think about it. Yeah. Almost like, that's who exactly when I go yeah. into that inner space. Like, who, who is this? Who am I really? And it's that. Yeah. that person and to embrace that person fully And into right now what I'm trying to do and I think we're in similar parallel paths is like reparent that child
0: yes I'm doing so much reparenting right now and like like have different fully different parents like I have like this dad with a beard and I'm sorry dad I love you like you're amazing but you know it's just a, a more typical traditional dad and right. then I have like a mom who's like very you know full and Joyful and right, <laughs> I get it. And, yeah, and sometimes she's Susan Sarandon.
1: Oh, that's so interesting. I love Susan Sarandon. I can totally see her as your mom, too. I feel like if you ever, yeah, she'd yeah. a daughter in a movie, you'd be really good. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, I can totally see that. Me, yes, she used to come into Oh, the you have? Really. Yes, she's very lovely. She, yeah, she's well, very she's, lovely. She's my mom. Yeah, she can definitely <laughs> be. I think, like, yeah, and I, I think her daughter is really lovely, too, as well. Like, she does a bunch of like um, stuff, like, yeah, it's. Yeah, Listen, she seems huge... like she
0: has her shit together, the daughter. So I'm yes. like, that's... A good mom. i a good mom. Yeah. And yeah.
1: <laughs> also, like, people, these women, like Susan Sarandon, who are um, people who are incredible. You think about what a pioneer she was. I think it's so important as women to always put into context women the generation ahead of us and their experience like i know that in kitchens how rough it is as a woman when such a small percentage of i know in the music industry how rough it is as a woman i know in hollywood in general in tv and how rough it is like these women had it like a million times worse than any of us not not that you know in general because it was so prevalent there was no self-awareness for most of these men you know at that time and I think about what they've had to survive to be where they are and I'm just like I mean think about the difference from when we started out even 11 years ago to
0: where things are today like within the industry and with the relationships with men in power it's changed immensely in the last 11 years we're not there yet but
1: no we're not definitely there but I think about that even there's a lot of exposure of sort of what what things are totally I think that even in context of like my being canceled that there are actual police investigations into food people at that time for like felonies yeah Crimes against women, sexual crimes, abuse things like and that I'm like they're like her lemon squares are too similar to Ina Gartens. You know what I mean? Like crazy. It's kind of wild to think, you know what I mean? It's really. No, but it's really wild. So
0: what happened after the cancellation? Like, where did you go from there?
1: I actually I was out here when it happened. And then I decided to go back to where I grew up in Cleveland and I was there for about a year. I decided I didn't want any part of like anything like. Hollywood, oh New York, gosh. big time. And I worked with a nonprofit during that time raising money to transform this former McDonald's into a state-of-the-art uh, food production facility for people with uh, mental and physical challenges. And they had been around forever in Cleveland. They ran a grocery store that people worked at and did, uh, like, vocational rehabilitation train like training. So um, it – yeah, and I worked with them, and it was really cool and helped design their curriculum and all this other stuff wow. and really disconnected and then got a phone call because the performer will always come out from the amazing Corin Nelson, who's executive producer. I met her when she's the executive producer of the Nate Burka Show, and I was on there a lot. And um she and I got friendly. and then she was the executive producer of the Queen Latifah show out here. And she was like, I need you to come out and fill this. You know, we've got this episode with Jake Jolenhall and Lisa Kudrow. and I this is crazy. On. I love so this story. yeah. So I flew out here to LA and I did that tape that episode of the for the first week of Queen Latifah, and it was one of those really cool moments where you walk on set, I, and I was like, okay, Queen Latifah, who I'm admired, since she, like Yo MTV raps, right? <laughs> yeah, and then like the Queen, G- <laughs> the Queen, exactly. And then you've got like Jada Pinkett Smith and Will Smith were the ones uh, part of the t- producing team. Lenny Kravitz designed the set. It was incredible. Lenny was Kravitz a- designed sets. Oh yeah, Lenny Kravitz has his own design company, I- like interior design company. Yeah, in hotels and all kinds of stuff. I didn't he's know that. He is a Renaissance man. Oh, um, And I think cute. he's like a raw vegan as well. So he has a lot of cool things going on. He hit on. on
0: my mom once. Oh,
1: my God, that's amazing. <laughs> that's he tried amazing. to get her to come
0: on the tour bus, and I was like, Mom? You're like, Mom, did you go? You should have no, gone. I was with <laughs> her. I was with her. Oh, oh, I watched oh, you with happen. her. Oh, that's amazing. I, I was like 15, and I was mad he wasn't
1: hitting on me. I understand, <laughs> but I also, am, I'm proud of Lenny Kravitz that he wasn't, you know? Like in yes, the day this day and age, let's Kravitz is the right way let's reframe this he likes milfs go lenny. for you go lenny go i'm all in support of the men I'm who 40 pursue
0: now lenny
1: right <laughs> men pursue milfs not teenagers please you heard it here first heard right it here first hot moms are a way better option um <laughs> Sorry, yeah go that's on, amazing Go on. No, was just like one of those like very hollywood moments you're filming down at the sony set and i was walking back on i'm like oh it's not all lost Like I can do this, and then I, I that I went. One of my friends had this house, and she was renting it, and I went and I rented it that week that I was here, like the days, and I moved right right away. Yeah, I was like, I'm going back, and then I had all these opportunities. A college friend who just retired from the NFL was opening a restaurant in San Diego, and we partnered in that and went down there and did a vegan raw food space. It was super cool and high energy because I decided that anything I did moving forward. Something was fraudulent in what I was doing with Food Network. Whether or not it was what they accused me of, there's something there energetically. I believe mm. in all this with energetics. Yeah. So I was like, I knew better. I'd been doing raw food and healthy food for a long time for celebrity clients before I became part of the Waverly and stuff. That was what I did out of culinary schools oh, so as wow. a private chef to all these different people. Every field you can imagine from movie stars, rock stars. um, No. <laughs> No, 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 no. I just, you know,
0: (laughs) yeah, no, no, that's fine. You can figure it. Yeah, Yeah. you can figure it
1: out. Like if you can, like you can look at. I don't know. There's some things you can probably figure out. But, but like no, just like out of respect and everything, I'm really like careful about that kind of stuff. But, um, it's uh, it was a really interesting experience. I knew about wellness and food and how to get people to the right place. So that's actually part of why when then Moby asked me to partner with him to do a space out here, a vegan restaurant. Because I had done this other stuff in the past, but I had when I did the. the Food Network show because of Waverly had been more of like unhealthy food. It wasn't aligned. I had started to gain weight during that time period. I've always struggled with food issues. I know I'm a chef and that makes it even more complicated. Wow. You know, because it's really hard when it's what you do. And that's part of, there's a lot of controlled eating things and diets and plans when you know how to do all that stuff, starving myself, you know, doing like master cleanses with clients for 21 days so they could get ready for something. But in the meantime, like you're basically just like really dysfunctional, weird stuff that I didn't think was. I thought it was healthy at the time. Right. Yeah, right. All Mass. It's a spiritual bypass again. Agreed a million percent. <laughs> But I knew all this stuff, and then I'm doing this food network show that's all dessert-based, which wasn't what I wanted to do originally. I had named it dessert first because it was supposed to be like how a wine connoisseur will um choose the wine, and then build the dinner around it. I wanted to choose the dessert and build it around it. Cause I'd been gotten known as a pastry chef, even though I'm not a trained pastry chef, I'm a classically trained chef. So it was like all these people come up to me. I do these big speaking things where that's where you make most of your money is like doing these like things when you're on like food network. And um, People come up to me and they'd be like, I eat your salty caramel banana pudding pie like every week. And I'm like, oh my God, you're not supposed to. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're supposed to eat that for Thanksgiving and Christmas. Like, you know, I'm like, I'm morally culpable. Like, and it felt, you know, people, and I'm not, listen. I'm never going to body shame anybody and people can carry extra weight and be way healthier than thin people. And there's a whole thing that's wrong in our society about that. But these were people who were unhealthy, mm-hmm. who were in rascals because they could not walk on their own. These were people who were carrying too much weight and it wasn't because they were, you know, and wow. I felt like I'm encouraging this. Wow. I know that this is dangerous. I know this is an area I struggle in is an area that I have such a pain body around, literally and figuratively. And I gained weight between my first and second seasons. People took notice and were writing it in comments. Oh, and Jesus. You know, I'm, on the website, not on social media. This is before social yeah. media. You know, and people were mean then, too. People were like, oh, social media. I'm like, all right. <laughs> like, you should go out and try yourself the being, well, like, in the arena, yeah, as uh, Brene Brown calls yeah. it. Try being in the arena before social media. It was not fun either. Like, you know? Yeah. It had a woman, uh, an actual journalist in Medium, uh, write an article which is discussing best TV shows cooking shows my show was the one that motivated them to go make something and she said to her son and the thing she was, and I said and she put this in the article it was always so shocking to me she looks like she eats a lot of der- desserts and my son said that isn't nice mom and I'm like she put that in, in the in the- on medium an actual journalist which was like because it was also interesting to me to see how many women even the article in the uh, in the new york post is written by women like two with women on women wow. and all this kind of stuff of like the body shaming and weird stuff around food and all of this stuff and like i'm sure she didn't i don't know why she needed to include that at all And it was so funny my producers in my show were like this is great she thinks you have the best the best show it motivated her. i was like she called me fat. <laughs> like, did you, get, you? know it's interesting how we see things too, based on that, our own filter. Like, as well, ugh, makes me feel sick. But it's this, yeah, it's this thing of being a woman and putting yourself out there. And men don't. I mean, you, they don't even have yeah. to be cute. Yeah, they don't have to be fit. And not they don't even, even have cute. to be cute. Like, no. I might looked at you know, you can be like ogres. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> I'm real successful. I mean, and look like, at the fame of Shrek. I mean, for real. And he's a nice one. He's a good ogre. <laughs> I mean, he's like a kind one, right? I'm yeah. like, okay, good. Yeah, Let's cool. talk about. Today, let's Today. talk about
0: the current life of Ann Thornton.
1: <laughs> <laughs> What's um, happening with you? There's a lot happening. I have a really cool. I think it's really cool. I partner with this really amazing company called Cook Unity, and my food is available for delivery to your home um, through them. With uh, it's delivered, my food is delivered across the basically the western seaboard and inwards, like Arizona, Utah, Colorado, Nevada all of California. And it gets delivered to your door and you can get some meals from me and from other chefs like that are on the platform, which is really cool. Um, and it's been wonderful. I do plant-based on there. So we have a really small carbon footprint. And the nice thing about it, the company is all of our packaging is sustainable and it's really affordable and I don't know if you want to use my name you can get 50% off your first order. You here. <laughs> Chef Anne <Thornton. laughs> um, But yeah no there's I do that and then I work with sustainable brands and um, do consulting and different work with that and I um, am working on two writing projects right now which is very fun and exciting and recently as you know and i will share because yes just share. About, this is such a minor thing like in like the grand scheme it's but it not, was a big though. deal <laughs> for me i in order to reparent myself and heal the broken inner child and broken performer i um last week auditioned to start doing um, the Groundlings program in West Hollywood. This is amazing comedic history, the school, um, with like people like Will Ferrell and Kristen Wiig and Melissa McCarthy, like the greats, you know. The greats. And like Paul Rubens, he developed um, Pee Wee Herbin there and like all these, you know. Wow. There's so many amazing people in the legacy but I'm going to start doing the professional track or what is it's called, the core track, yeah. So I'm really excited to explore this side of myself. Like, whatever that means, it's just about getting back to embracing and playing and exploring. And you're a performer, and you know that, like, we have to have that need met, whatever that looks like. Yeah. And I'm tired of, like... I've never pursued the TV thing on my own, which is a weird thing. Like, I've come up with ideas, but I never, like, go out and pitch stuff and whatever. But I'm like, I need to feed myself this. This is something I've been really hungry for. So that's what i You're a writer.
0: You're a creator. You're a performer. You do all the things. You're a super manifester, superstar. (laughs) I'm so excited that you came on the show. When I met you, I don't even think this podcast existed a few months ago, but then once we came up for the idea with this, you were one of the first people that came to mind. I was like, I have to interview Anne. She's so fun. She's such a star. You're so multifaceted. Um, And I'm just so excited for you and for everything Coming up, the groundlings and everything.
1: Thank you so much for having me on this. And this is such a cool thing for me to experience you doing this, like you stepping into this. This didn't exist a couple of months ago. And the Substack that you're doing is so incredible. And the work, no, for real. This is all like, this is big stuff, but this is the same kind of alignment of like stepping into things, stepping into the unknown, allowing yourself to not be pigeonholed into just songwriting and just into music. Like you're so much more than that. And those are wonderful things, but you're more than that. And you don't have to just do those things. It's stupid. <laughs> I'm sure in some ways it is. And I'm sure that it also loves you in ways and will probably come back into your life in ways that you could never imagine, too. Because, you know, there's all, yeah, you're like, I'm playing hard to get. I'm like, it's going to have to work yes, real hard yes, to bring me back. Real hard. Real hard. Real hard. It yeah. Have to be
0: a big old paycheck attached. Hey, there's
1: nothing wrong with that. I love those. I know. <laughs> oh, I, love you, Ann. I love you, Anne. I love you too. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I just want to, I just want
0: to, I just want to get effed up and dance. Happiness is, is feelings way too good to last. Get up and dance, no oh future ends.